you and we want to thank and praise you for your goodness, the work that you do in our lives. Thank you for opportunities to just get a little extra preaching and fellowship with other men. We thank you for working in our midst and bringing people to church and Lord, just giving us the grace to serve you together. We thank you for how we can see you working in our lives, even through adversity and difficult times. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. Bibles and turn again to the book of Proverbs. And uh, we're going to stretch our... We're mainly covering Proverbs chapter 11, uh, chapters 11 through 31, topically uh, trying to... um, uh, uh, cover the different subjects there so that uh, we're not just changing uh, subjects every verse or every other verse as many of the chapters do. And uh, But uh, tonight I want us to just uh, get one... Uh, uh, we've got three different thoughts we want to cover. And by the way, teens, if, if you want to know why we are not sending you downstairs for the whole evening service... Uh, it is because if anybody could benefit from a study in the book of Proverbs, it's teenagers. Because it will tell you what not to do before you do it. Uh, that way you don't become like many of us that are older who have done all these wrong things only to learn what we're not supposed to do. Uh, we are trying to get you the instruction, and we will be working on some things. We're in a transition period right now, and so teens, just uh, hold on to your uh, uh, Bibles, amen? And uh, we'll uh, continue going through here. But turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1, and tonight the first subject of three I would hope that we cover. I'm not sure we're going to get through all three, but certainly the first one is the fear of the Lord. Now, that's a title that we hear a lot, and uh, I, I think it's greatly misunderstood. Uh, probably the most glaring example of what the fear of the Lord is not is the Quaker uh, religion, where they are so overwhelmed with the fear of the Lord that they sit there and they quake, and, and that is the desired effect, is to work themselves into a position And not to be too hard on the Quakers, it would do some Baptists a lot of good if they could understand the fear of the Lord at least to that point. But the fear of the Lord is not just something to make you afraid. It's something that is supposed to determine behavior. And so the fear of the Lord, what we want to do is just get, number one, what the fear of the Lord is. And so start in Proverbs. Let the Bible define it for you. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want knowledge, you must start with the fear of the Lord. It is the foundation for anything that you understand. If you understand something apart from not connected to the fear of the Lord, you don't understand it correctly. I don't care how much you know. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, There's an awful lot of false knowledge out there in the world. Uh, Probably 
the simplest example is evolution. How many books have been written and are being written? How many studies are written upon evolution? But it is knowledge that is not based upon the fear of the Lord. In fact, it's knowledge that has been designed to uh, eradicate, to remove God from common uh, discourse and dispensation. And how much true knowledge is in evolution? I mean, it's just amazing out there. How many of you remember the horse, the, the chart of the horse uh, fossils? You know, you had the little horse and then the bigger horse and then the big horse and then the big modern horse. Does anybody remember that? It, it is one of the most famous parts of evolution theory. It's total crock. There's not one bit of truth in the whole thing. I mean... They are related to each other as horses, but they are not related to each other in time period. They are not in a true progression because um, it just doesn't work. But see, they have to have something to teach evolution. And that's how it works. And it's really sad. They date the fossils by the rocks and they date the rocks by the fossils. Don't Try to balance your checkbook that way. All right? Uh, it doesn't work. You have to have a standard by which to measure things. You cannot just get into a circle and pick your own data out. That's why the fear of the Lord. You've got to understand God is God. When is the last time you actually thought you know what? I ought not do this. I ought not watch this. I ought not listen to this. I ought not read this because God wouldn't be pleased. I dare say we go through weeks at a time and never have that thought cross our mind. Teens, you put stuff in your mind and in your heart that 20 years from now is still going to be there. And when the tempter comes, he's going to remind you of that slop and that garbage that you've allowed in your mind, and he's going to use it to try to destroy you. The fear of the Lord is to protect you from that. If the knowledge is not connected in the light of the fear of the Lord, it is not true knowledge. So, everything that you understand in this universe ought to be connected to an understanding of God. By the way, just throwing a little history here, that's one of the reasons why many of the founding fathers of this nation who were not saved and did not have a personal relationship to Christ were able to benefit from the Bible and actually live somewhat of a Christian life because they understood, at least to varying degrees, even Benjamin Franklin, who was no friend uh, of, uh, of uh, strong Bible-believing Christianity, he knew that there was no knowledge that he had that was not connected to the Creator. He understood that. And that's why he was able to do some of the things that he did, which were quite extraordinary. 
attach everything that comes into your mind to the fear of the Lord. And it'll protect you. And, and these are some of the things. But it is the beginning of knowledge. Probably the clearest definition is Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. Proverbs chapter 8. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Now, when I was a little boy, my mom often went, you don't hate, you just don't like. Don't say hate. Well, no, the Bible says there's some things that you ought to hate. You ought to hate evil. Now, does that mean when you see somebody walking down the street with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth, dirty man with a cigarette? No, 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 that's not what it's talking about. But when somebody offers you one, it ought to make you ill. Amen? I mean, that's what hating evil is all about. The devil is not ignorant. We are taught from the time we are little children to desire wicked things, are we not? I mean, how many of you, let me just throw this word out, marine. Now, what are you thinking of in your mind? Let me describe what you're thinking of. You're thinking of a guy in combat gear, two or three days beard growth, some mud smeared all over his face, and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. I mean, isn't that the picture that just kind of comes into your mind? That's tough. Now, the world wants us to think that direction wants you to be involved in things that are not right. But let me just suggest this. Nobody goes into combat with a cigarette hanging out their mouth. It makes you a target, especially in the dark. You don't have time to be distracted. But that's what we're taught. Cool. What do you think about when you hear the word cool? Fancy sport card, loud rock music blaring, dark sunglasses, and other licentious things going on. Some guy in the car, you know, I, I like what, I don't know who said this, but whenever I see an older gentleman driving a sports car with the music blaring and his bald head gleaming, I just wonder how high the alimony payments come with that sports car. How about you? You see, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And if you don't learn that young, you're going to fall prey to it as you get older. It says the things to hate are, what's the first thing on the list here? Proverbs 8, uh, 13, pride. How many of you have ever gotten in a fight where pride wasn't involved? Uh, none of you, because only by pride cometh contention. 
What are we taught? We're taught self-esteem. Even though you can't add two plus two and get four, that's okay. We still love you and everybody loves you and you're a smart person even if you're stupid. I mean, even if you don't know them. We'll, we'll get over that. No, you won't. You've got to learn to hate pride. You know, that would solve the problem. So many of our political issues are dealing with pride. Are they not? Hate, pride. What's the next one? Arrogancy. That's just a different description of pride. How many of you have ever been around an arrogant person? Someone who thinks, me first. I am better than you are. Now, most of the reason why we hate pride is because it offends our pride. Isn't that true? Who do you think you are? I ought to be first, not you. The Bible says not to get on the bandwagon, not to get in that pathway, to learn to hate the way of self-promotion. And yet, everything in this world rewards promoting oneself, does it not? The Bible says we've got to learn. The fear of the Lord is to hate these things. The evil way. I mean, there are just some things in this world that are plain evil. Why do we have such a fascination, at least according to television and books that are put out, with gangsters and vampires? I mean, it is everywhere, is it not? Why are those two things so prevalent? Well, they're absolutely shining examples of the evil way, are they not? In fact, the vampires, they refer to them at, with terms that belong to Satan. And the gangster has power. Knock him off, bub. And people, I mean, people just, oh, wow, wow, that's cool. No, it is not. It is the evil way. Don't allow yourself to like that stuff. Don't read it. Don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Sleep all day and kill people all night. Yeah. Have you heard what you just said? I mean, that's what vampires do. Why do we want this stuff? It's the evil way. The Bible says to hate it. And what's the last one? The froward mouth. You know, I've seen this even in Christian settings. I have to be careful where I say I've seen this because I don't want people to track it down, but... I've been in Christian settings where Christian people, men and women who are not married to each other, kind of flirtatious remarks and little things like this. The Bible says to hate that stuff. The froward mouth, double entree, double-edged meanings where the one meaning is just a little on the shady side or dirty side of things. Don't go there. 
The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate these things. Now, you know what? If I brought a disease-ridden rat with holes in its fur and kink tail, I mean, I saw one of these walking on the subway platform about a year ago. How many of you would have a problem hating that rat? How many of you would be upset if I put that thing in a box and killed it? Would anybody be, oh, I'm calling animal cruelty, preacher, you killed that? No, I don't think anybody would have a problem with me putting that rat out of our misery, amen? We hate those things. We don't like them. We don't want them around. Bad things happen because it's there. But let me tell you, taking one step in an evil way is much more dangerous than kissing that disease-ridden rat. You never think about that. It's better. It's safer to pick up that rat and try to pet it and love it than it is to promote yourself in the least little bit. That's what the Bible says. We have no problems hating a rat. When it was dead, we'd say, good riddance, just get rid of the body where it can't uh, cause anybody any other harm. Isn't that right? You see, we don't hate things. In this world of quote-unquote love, we love evil and we refuse or hate God. What we've got to do is the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Now, just so you don't get the... Let's keep moving here. Um... Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 15, 33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. How many of you, if we could just put it in a test tube here and you could drink it or have it injected, would want the instruction of wisdom? I mean, I would. How about you? It says, before honor is humility. You see, that's connect. That's the rest of that verse. It's connected back to hating pride. If you don't get self out of the way and pride, you're never going to get the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord does not come naturally even to the Christian. The fear of the Lord is not something that is just going to happen to you If you want to serve the Lord, fear of the Lord is something you're going to have to get on purpose. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And it looks like we'll get through point one of the message tonight. We'll save the others for another Sunday night. But uh, this is important. Verse 1. Let's read the first five verses here. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou... Incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. 
Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You know why most Christians never have the fear of the Lord? They don't want it bad enough. They don't understand how important it is. And most of the time, by the time you do understand how important the fear of the Lord is, you already have gaping holes in your life where the devil has come in and attacked and destroyed areas of your life that you're never going to get back. You know what? Once you lose your purity, you don't ever get it back. Never comes back. And the only thing that will keep purity in your mind and in your heart is the fear of the Lord. It's the only thing there. Now, sometime I would like to try this just to see if it would work. But if I were able to pull a $100 bill out of my wallet and wave it in the air and say, the person who screams the loudest can have this $100 bill. How many of you guys would be sitting there going, we would see men standing up going, ah! trying to get that money and kids would be screaming. I mean, they'd turn this place into pandemonium, wouldn't it? Do we have anybody here that would say, I'd just sit there and be quiet because I'm not to seek after the mammon of this world. You got more problems than the people who are screaming. Amen? I mean, it says that we're to seek for the fear of the Lord as for hid treasure. What was that guy in Boston? Found that pirate wreck full of Spanish gold coins. He found this ship in 1984. And he had been researching for years and all of a sudden some little bit of information in the last few months came up that the pirates that owned that ship had stolen this huge... Uh, uh, treasure of Spanish golden coins and all of a sudden he's back there going down and he's going to try to figure out how to get them coins off the bottom of the bay. 1984. How many of you weren't even born in 1984? I mean, a lot of people in this room. How many of you were still in high school in 1984? Or not even there yet? I mean, 1984 is a long time ago. But he kept searching all of these years. Do you think that guy is going, boy, did I waste all that time? No, he's hot diggity. I made it. I finally discovered it. And it's supposedly a fortune of gold is down there. Could I challenge you that if 20 some years from now 
you were to wake up and understand that you have the fear of the Lord, you'd be far richer than the man with the golden doubloons. You would have more than Mayor Bloomberg and all his billions if you could grab a hold of the fear of the Lord. But you know something? It says, that there's, there's a progression here, and we've been over these verses before. It says you have to receive. Look at verse 1 in chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs. It says you have to receive my words. You know what receiving God's words mean? It means you have to obey them. It means you have to take them and agree with them. Somebody says, where do I start? Hey, let me tell you, you start by showing up for church. Amen? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. Say, hey, that's good, I'm here. Yes, it is. That's how you receive. But what's the next one? Hide my commandments with thee. I'll tell you what. I love what our ladies have done in memorizing that passage out of Proverbs 31. That is a good thing. Now, guys, are we going to let the ladies outshine us? Hmm? We need to learn some scripture. We're working on... How many of you have been reading your book that you're supposed to be reading, guys? See one hand? Uh Uh-oh. We better get to work on this thing. Listen. You've got to receive them, but you've got to hide them. That means you've got to make them a part of you. The way you think, the way you talk. It says about hiding God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against God. That means folding it down deep so that our natural reactions are controlled by the scripture but that's only step two it says incline thine ear unto wisdom now that word incline means to bend is to put on a natural angle on an angle and what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to have our ear on an angle to wisdom so that when wisdom comes up how many of you have ever been walking down the street and somebody else said your name and all of a sudden you turn around? And they weren't even talking to you, they were talking to somebody else. You know why? Because your ear is inclined to your name. Incline it to wisdom. Teach yourself to listen to wisdom. And in doing that, what are you also doing? You're teaching yourself not to listen to foolishness. But it goes on, apply thy heart to understanding. You you know, it's easy to apply your heart to great food, isn't it? I mean, isn't it easy to apply your heart to something that you really like? I mean, that's what teenagers are all about, is it not? Give them a car, 
and a box of wrenches? Who cares about the instruction book? They're going to be there every spare moment working on that thing, trying to get it to run. It's not so much here in New York City because you don't have enough money to afford a garage to keep a car that doesn't run, but live out in the country, I mean, that's the easiest thing in the world. My dad gave me an old lawnmower when I was about 10 years old. He had bent the crankshaft, mowing the lawn, hit a rock or something. Man, I tore that thing apart. I was hooked. I, I, anything mechanical, boy, I love to take it apart, put it back together again. But if you don't apply your heart to those things, you know what I found out? That if you over-tighten a bolt, you can break it in half and make a one-hour job into a 20-hour job. In fact, I had a friend that used to call it Montororizing because there wasn't a bolt made that I couldn't twist in two. But I found out that unless you're tearing something apart, that kind of effort is absolutely worthless. I got a torque wrench that measures the foot-pounds and tells me exactly how tight that bolt ought to be. You know what? I don't break things anymore. You have to learn. You have to apply your heart to wisdom. And then it says you have to cry after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding. When is the last time that you just prayed to God and said, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Will you give me the knowledge? That's what that crying is talking about. Lifting up your voice. I, I wish I could remember who told me this first. But I believe it was Brother Clayton, actually. He said, you don't have to know everything. But if you're willing to ask, God will have somebody out there that will show you what to do. That has been so true. That has been so true in my life. Now, God just hasn't given us the money to hire contractors in to do most of the work, but there's always been somebody to tell me how to get it done and done right. I almost think I like it better that way, to be honest with you. Because there's nothing more frustrating than going after somebody who's supposed to know what they're doing and having to redo and fix their mess. Oh. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord. Only then. God is not going to give his best to you without severe application of your life. Adults, how many of you are glad that God has given you a little bit of the fear of the Lord in your life? How many of you could give testimonies to the goodness, to what the fear of the Lord has wrought in your life? You see, 
it's not only the gaining of this fear of the Lord, it is the process of getting it that fixes you and trains you and makes you into the person that God wants you to be. You see, the fear of the Lord is going to do some things, and I'm going to read you some verses, and then we'll, we'll finish tonight. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth the days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. You know what the world says? Only the good die young. That's a lie. Most of the time, the reason people die young is because they've been doing something very wrong. The fear of the Lord prolongeth the days. You want to get back some of the years sin has stolen? Get the fear of the Lord. It will prolong. It will give you days back that God, that you have lost. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. You know, the world hates dogmatism. That means being sure of yourself. Can I tell you one of the greatest examples of this verse is having strong confidence, having the fear of the Lord, having a place of refuge even when the whole world has gone nuts. The life of George Washington during the American Revolution. If you've not read that, I got a copy of a book that was given me that I'll let you read, but I won't let you take it out of the office <laughs> uh, because I want to keep it. I've lost so many books loaning to people. But he had a strong confidence in the Lord. Do you know how many battles George Washington lost compared to how many he won? It's like two or three to one. In fact, they still study his retreat out of New York City under the eyes of the British. Was that a victory? No, it was a defeat. But without it, the entire revolution would have been lost before it got started. George Washington was one of the most maligned men of his day during the revolution. Two of his most senior chief generals' only purpose was to bring aspersion on his character and to take his position from him. I'll tell you, if I'd been George Washington, I said, you know, you jerks, you can have this job. I'm going home. But he knew something. If they lost, he wouldn't have a home to go to. And so he fought on. Strong confidence. How would you like to know where you're going and what you're doing, even if it looks like nothing's happening? That's the fear of the Lord, my friend. Be more afraid of God than you are of anybody else. Let's read on. 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. You have to have the fear of the Lord first to drink of the water. 
But as you drink of the waters of that fountain, of what the fear of the Lord will provide in your life, it will help you escape the snares of death. It says in Proverbs fifteen sixteen, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. You know, the world can't get satisfaction no matter what it has. How much money is enough? How much power is enough? How many terms as mayor of New York City was enough? He had to buy one more, didn't he? I mean, let me tell you, no matter what you try to get, it's not going to be enough. But the fear of the Lord will give you satisfaction and contentment. That's something you can't get anywhere else. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You want to get evil out of your life? You want to get a victory in your life over something? You got to go back to Proverbs chapter 2. Receive, incline, apply, search, cry, lift up your voice, searches for hidden treasures, look for these things, and then you'll get to fear of the Lord once you have that. It'll help you depart from evil. The last one. No, three more. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall be satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. That's Proverbs 19.23. Proverbs 22.4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. You want a life? You want the good life? Get the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 23, 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. You know what? The fear of the Lord is a place you can live. Don't allow yourself to look at people who have the things of this world and say, wouldn't that be nice? No. You don't know. Better is little with the fear of the Lord. Don't allow your heart to envy sinners. You know what this is saying? If you're in the fear of the Lord you won't be wanting what the world has. It's going to control you. It's going to make decisions for you. You see, the fear of the Lord, if we could put a price tag on it, it would be worth everything you ever make in your entire life. Because without it, what else really matters? The fear of the Lord is something we must have. And you don't get it naturally. God's not going to just give it to you. It tells you that you've got to go through that process. You've got to start out with receiving God's word. If you're not faithful in the little things, he's not going to give you anything else. 
if you don't incline your ear, if you don't train yourself to just reach out and grab that thing and, and to be constantly on the look for the fear of the Lord, you're never going to find it. I bring back my silly illustration of a $100 bill. You'd try for it if you were normal. But only one person could get that in a contest. That, I mean, we're contest crazy, are we not? How many people buy lot? I hope nobody in here buys lottery tickets. If you do, shame on you. You know, here's the problem with the lottery. How many people win? Just one or two? If you'll enter into this contest, how many people will God say, no, I don't want you to have the fear of the Lord, Jason. You don't deserve it. I'm not going to give it to you. Would God do that? Absolutely not. He's going to give it to everyone who will seek it. You can all have it. It would transform our church, would it not? It would solve so many problems. And teens, one of the reasons I want you in here so I want to challenge you. This is what you guys need now. In fact, it may already be too late. Little guys, you better be listening because the fear of the Lord is something you can start working on in your lives right now, if you will. And as you get older, you'll be protected from so many things that have gone wrong in other people's lives. All God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you, We ask you, Lord, to put within the hearts. Lord, I wish I could just say, Lord, I ask you to for every person in this room. But Lord, especially these little ones, especially our teenagers, especially those that have not yet made life's decisions, that they would begin tonight to seek the fear of the Lord in their lives. That they would begin that process of just listening to the little things, receiving God's words now and, and, and being obedient and, and allowing that desire for the fear of the Lord to be nurtured and brought up in their lives till it becomes an all-consuming search, all search. Lord, we pray that you would give us the fear of your name in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, I'm just going to ask you, say, preacher, that's me. I want God's fear in my life. We don't often do this, but tonight, let's just do this. If that's you, if you want to pray that prayer, if you're agreeing with me on that, 
I'm going to ask you just to step out of your seat and come up here in front and, and let's, let's get on our knees before God and let's just pray together. This is a prayer meeting. It won't hurt us to do that. You see, that's, that I want the fear of the Lord in my life. There's not enough room around the front. We'll just go down the aisle. Let's ask God for this. Let's, let's seriously seek Him. We'll take just a few moments of prayer, and then I'll pray and we'll get into our regular prayer time. But let's ask God. Let me do these things. Let me have the fear of the Lord. Don't let me go until I get it.